0: God, thank you so much for uh, today. I think I need a little help this morning. And uh, so we just pray that you would um, do your thing here in this space. Help us to see you and to hear from you. We don't need me or my opinions. And um, just help me to stay focused and uh, do do what you want me to do with your word. That's what matters, not what I have to say. Um, Difficult subject this morning, God, so just pray you be with each of us. Us to be wise and courageous as we follow you and apply your word to our relationships. We ask all this in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, you with me? Dealing with conflict—it wasn't even a complicated title. I'm throwing paper around. I'm—it's it's, going to be rough. <laughs> Dealing with conflict is what we're talking about today, and. Um, We've been going through people problems and we've been talking uh, for the last couple weeks about boundaries and how important boundaries are in relationships. Maybe you don't have boundaries, maybe you have very porous boundaries, maybe you have extremely rigid boundaries. In all three cases, that's so unhealthy and it's not just hurting your relationships, it's probably deeply hurting you. Boundaries are an important part of our relationships and they're God-given, God-modeled, like Jesus modeled healthy boundaries to us. And we're scared of them because we don't want to be rejected, but boundaries are really important. Today we're kind of transitioning into an an equally important topic called dealing with conflict. And here's what I just have to say. Like, let's start on the same page, right? Like, so as we're looking at conflict, um, we're all broken. You're broken. I'm broken. The people you love are broken people. On some level, somewhere, as a part of their story, there's some brokenness that has gone on in the context of relationships. And we all bring that into our current relationships and it affects us. And it it leads to conflict. But I just want to, like, state this right off the bat because I think sometimes our expectations are a little off. If you're coming here thinking Man, I'm going to listen to this series about relationships so that I can go home and not have any more conflict with my husband or my wife or my significant other or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my boss or my kids or my mother-in-law. It's not going to (laughs) happen. Like sometimes I think we get this unrealistic expectation in our head that if we have a healthy relationship, we won't have any conflict. Like, I don't know how to say this gently, you're living in Nana land, if that's what you're like hopes, hoping for. Like, this is just not reality. And so the reality check before we talk about how to deal with conflict better, my, my goal for you is that you go home and you fight better. I don't want you to fight, but it's going to happen. So like, let's fight better. I don't want you to be living in conflict. So like, let's talk about how to get through conflict, not just how to live in it. But, but before we start that, like the expectation has to be clear. A life without conflict will not happen until you're in heaven. It's not gonna happen. You are going to find yourself in times of conflict with people you care a little bit about and people you care a whole lot about. It's unavoidable and that's why it's so important for us to learn how to deal with conflict better because most of us have never really learned how to deal with conflict in a healthy way. Most of us have never even given thought to maybe how God says we should deal with conflict. Nobody's ever taught us this stuff. We've learned how to fight and avoid things by watching our parents fight and avoid things, by watching other people fight and avoid things. And no one, most of us, maybe not everybody, no one's probably ever sat you down intentionally and calmly and showed you how to deal with conflict in a healthy, God-honoring, biblical way. Um, I I also have to say this, I'm not good at this. (laughs) Some days I am, you know, uh, but But there's a whole lot of days where I struggle and am not good at dealing with conflict, where I just want to win the fight, where I power up, where I get angry, when I dig in, when I get stubborn. Like, you can ask anybody, literally anybody. Some of you are like, yeah, we know, you know, because, like, you've experienced it. I'm not always good at dealing with conflict, and we're all broken. But I've learned this, that the undercurrent to conflict always is fear. We don't like to talk about that, especially if you're like, man, I'm a man. I'm not scared of anything. Like, we don't, I'm, um, you know, whatever. <laughs> you're probably scared of people knowing how scared you are. But um, fear is like the undercurrent that runs underneath all conflict. Like jealousy, for instance. You're jealous of somebody. Maybe a coworker has something. Maybe you're Jealous of another person in their relationship. You know, there's an undercurrent there of fear. Fear of being left out, maybe. Fear of uh, not finding someone. If, if you struggle with anger and you're an angry type person, and your fuse is really short, and you go from zero to 100, the undercurrent there is fear. This fear of some injustice that you felt that you feel isn't gonna be made right or they're not treating me fairly or this isn't an accurate representation of what's going on or they did this to me or that to me and I gotta get angry and power up to like deal with it. That's a fear of an injustice that has happened in your life. There's a whole lot of fears that run on the undercurrent of our relational problems and conflicts. Fear of being left out. Fear of being alone. Now, you know how many bad decisions were made because of that one? Like, fear of not being treated fairly. Fear of not being loved. Fear of being taken advantage of. Fear of being replaced. Fear of being invisible. Fear of your future. There's all kinds. That's just a few of them, like there's a whole bunch of fears that we have that run on the underside of the conflicts we find ourselves in. And that fear, it triggers our fight and flight response. It it triggers it, and so we go through life, and we, we either try to fight our way through it till we win, and we resolve it, or we avoid it. In either case, it's not really healthy. We don't fight the way God wants us to fight, and by avoiding stuff, it just never really gets better. It just doesn't. And it's messy. Living in conflict is really, really messy. It affects your happiness. You ever go on a trip somewhere like, really great? And then you get in a fight on the way or on the airplane or at the beach, you know, because you're arguing over whether tea time is made as a real meal or it's just supposed to be an appetizer, you know, like, you ever go to an English island? No. Um, Like, I I think it's a real meal. Uh, At least I treat it that way. (laughs) You know, you ever, like, and you could be in the most beautiful place in the world, but if you're in conflict with somebody you care about, ruins the whole trip. You could be going to church ready to, like, Sing about Jesus and cry some tears during the worship songs and like do the little sway, you know, like you're just swaying to the music. and You you could be here, but if you're in conflict with somebody, like it just ruins the whole thing. Like Conflict steals happiness from you when not dealt with in the right way. It's messy. It kills your happiness. No one likes it. We all get stuck there. And it affects all of our relationships. It does. I, I can't tell you... Shamefully so, how many times my wife has said to me, Josh, you're really not angry with us. You're angry with them. Don't drag that garbage in here. I've heard that, shamefully, more than I want to admit. It it affects our other relationships. You have a bad day at work and conflict that goes unresolved, you drag that crap home and it affects your kids. It affects your spouse, it affects your friends. You're you're in conflict with your wife, you're dragging that garbage to work, and it's affecting your clients, it's affecting your, your work relationships. It always spills over, but maybe most importantly, the relationship, living in conflict in an unhealthy way, affects most is our relationship with God. It's so important that in Scripture, God says, like, if you come to the temple and you have a, a conflict with somebody, so if something that is unresolved in a relationship, leave your offering and go home and take care of that problem before you come to worship. Like, that's how important it is to God. In 1 John 4, two, God says, like, if you say you love me, but you hate a brother or sister, you ready for this? Like, it doesn't get any clearer than this. You're a liar, it says in 1 John. In First Peter, I forget the passage. I'll, I'll find it and get it later. He's talking, about, um, he's talking to husbands about husbands loving your wife. Uh, it's going to come to me at any second. I can feel it like on the tip of my brain. He's saying like respect them and love them and serve them. And he goes, it, the end of that whole passage about this little like blip about husbands loving your wife. The end of that passage it says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Like, conflict just junks everything up. It's miserable. and Yet we get stuck there because we don't really know how to deal with it. Or we don't really want to know how to deal with it. And one of the best examples of how to deal with conflict, I love. And, and, it, and when you read it the first time, I'm going to read it in a second. It, um, it comes across so smooth. Like, doesn't seem like a big deal to me. But it's because ha- how Abram... Abraham, we'll call him Abe, deals with conflict. And it's found in Genesis chapter 13, if you want to flip there and follow along. I'm going to have some takeaways from this. You're, you're probably going to want to write down um, in a little bit. Abraham is, at this point in his story, he has a lot of wealth and a huge flock, and, and he's been following God. Like, God had taken him out and shown him all the stars, and he said, your offspring are going to be as many as greater than these stars that you see. And, and Abraham goes on this journey, leaves everything, and follows God on this incredible journey. And some of his family has gone with them. He's got an uncle who's younger than him named Lot. Which I don't know. My brain always has trouble computing how an uncle can be younger than a nephew, but um, that's going on here. Like and uh, and so lots out there, and lots been going. They've been spent some time in Egypt. The story is crazy. It takes like a whole year to just go through the entire story of Abraham, at least a whole year. Uh, so we're not going to be able to hit all of it right now. But but. The key thing to know is at this point in their story in chapter 13, like God has expanded all that they have. Their their family has grown, their money has grown, their flock has grown, their, their needs have grown, everything has amplified. And while on one hand, they are really blessed, on the other hand, they find that even when they got what they were looking for or hoping for, there's still conflict there in those spaces. In Genesis chapter 13, it says, In verse 5, it says, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also known as Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herders and Lot's. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we're close relatives. It's not, the whole, it's not the whole land before you. Like, let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. It sounds so benign. Like, that just sounds so, like, big deal. They figured it out conflict? Doesn't seem like a conflict there. But if you really like understand people and what's going on, you know this was messy. You have these two guys with these large families and large herds out in sheep fields, like too much family and too little space. You ever have that problem? You ever have that too much family, too little space on vacation? You know how messy that gets? Like one time, I pulled the car over in Florida outside of Disneyland, and I got out of the car and started walking along the highway because too much family and too little space. <laughs> Don't make you, you're there too, right? Like that crazy uncle at Thanksgiving. Come on, somebody say amen. Too much family, too little space. It always gets messy. It's always conflict. Somebody's always fighting about some nonsense or spouting off their opinion. It gets messy, and there's a whole lot of dudes in here who are spending a whole lot of time at the grill or in the garage just because they don't want to go in and deal with it. (laughs) That pumpkin pie is good, but it's not that good. Too much family... Too little space. You feel me? All the way. And that's the situation here. And if I can use some imagination, though, Abraham dealt with this in a really spectacular fashion so that now when we read it, it's like no big deal. The potential for a really big deal was there all along. Like tensions had to be high. Get your sheep out of my face. I'm about to knock you out kind of tension. I've had it with this. What is Lot thinking? Where is Abraham going? How did there's just you got to get get away from me. Get away from me. Too often that's like my my internal dialogue. Just get away from me. I can't deal with this anymore. It reads so calmly, but you know it was a mess. You know tensions were high. People fighting out in the sheep field for crying out loud, like things are awful, but Abraham, he uses this like incredible approach to this, what could be just horrific conflict, like wars have started over less. He takes this approach that just sees this conflict resolved in such a healthy way. I got six things from it that will help you fight better. And the result of that is so good. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is teaching on the mount, and he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That word blessed there can be translated happy, is, or are. Happy are the peacemakers peacemakers now peacemaking is not about being a doormat because doormats just get walked all over peacemaking is not about avoiding the conversation some of us grew up and we learned early on that somehow to keep peace in the family we just got to say yes to everybody and everybody's always right and if we can just tell everybody they're okay and they're right then somehow we'll keep peace that's not real peace Peace is also not just avoiding the subject, sweeping it under the rug, and hoping that no one ever talks about it, and we'll just live in this really unhealthy tension until somebody snaps, right? Like, that's not a good peace plan either. A good peace plan is like following God's direction for how we're supposed to treat each other and follow conflict. Do you want more happiness in your relationship? Do you want your home to be happier? Do you want your workplace to be happier? We have got to start learning to handle conflict in a God-honoring way, the way he would have us handle it. And here's the first thing that I take from this story. Abraham just brings the temperature of the room down. You know people who, like, as soon as you walk into the room, they just are turning it up to, like, 10 every time. Like, they're just you know like you walk into like the lunch break room and all you don't even like have a sip of coffee down in your gullet and they're like you know you know anybody like that like i don't know what it's like in the ladies break rooms i'm just talking about the guys ones right there like you know, you don't have people like that, like you, you call them, you don't want to answer the phone, like you're thinking red button, red button, red button, red button, but then you feel guilt, so you hit green button, and then you're like, uh, hey, and it's like all of a sudden, it's like rah, 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 and you're like, "Ooh, I want to throw my phone in the ocean right now. <sighs> Change my number, like I'm never answering this person. There are people in life who bring it up. Some of you may not be a person like that, except for in your most important relationships. whoa! you know, you're cool and calm until he or she does something you don't like and then you go, the temperature goes up. What I love about Abram is like, you just feel it go, like the problem deflates a little bit, doesn't it? You read it, it's so calm. His approach, so calm. So here's a man who instead of ratcheting it up and making the fight worse and making the damage worse, he just brings the temperature down. You bring the temperature down with how you talk to each other, with your body language, with your approach. That's the other thing, number two, I think that's so important about Abraham and how he deals with this conflict is he took the first step. I mean, he was the elder The one God had called. Like he could have been like, yo, I'm not dealing with this nonsense. Lot can go take a hike, man. Like tell that guy to get lost. I I don't owe him any time. I don't owe him any concession. This is my call. This is my journey. This is my life. He just was along for the ride. Go kick the curb, bro. Like I don't need you in my life anymore. He could have been just like, like that. But instead lot like her, Abraham takes initiative to take the first step. Now that's the scariest part in conflict. is taking the first step to try to bring about resolution. That takes courage. It takes w- being willing to be vulnerable. It takes being willing to open up and say, "I'm part of the problem too." And I love Abraham because he brings the temperature down, and he takes the first step. And his approach is this. This is the third thing if you're taking notes. What if you could fight as partners instead of opposition? Aren't we really all like trying for the same thing? Don't both of you want like a happier home? (laughs) To feel loved and cared for? Like aren't we really just in this for the same stuff? Like... To create healthy environments, if, if you apply it to work, to like accomplish your purpose. Like aren't we all really just in some way trying for the same stuff? Abraham approaches this as a partner, not as opposition. It's not me versus them. Eagles versus cowboys. Yeah. Lot versus Abe. Let's throw on jerseys and duke it out. It's not, it's not me versus my wife. It's not me versus my kids. It's not me versus my family. It's not me versus my coworker I can't stand right now. I love all my coworkers. That's just an example. Like, right? Like, it's it's not that. What if it's us and we, partners versus opposition? We're partners in this. And yeah, we're not seeing things the same way. And yeah, the tensions are high. And yeah, things have been difficult. But yes, also, we are both in this for the same thing. He approaches it as partners, not opposition. Number four. Oh, partners, look for the win-win. Or if you're Michael Scott, the win-win-win. In when you approach a conflict as opposition, you're trying for one person to win and then you realize later that nobody really won. The the fourth thing I think he does is he demonstrates incredible humility. Here's how humility translates into relationship conflict. Humility translates into relationship conflict when you are capable and able and brave enough and secure enough in your identity to be able to say, what do you need? Most of the time in conflict, our focus and our communication is all about what I need. I need this to be fixed. I need it to be different. I need you to be better. This is what I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. You will blow somebody's mind next time if you, when you fight if you, without sarcasm, without a snotty looking look on your face, without some attitude, without the sass, if you can genuinely and honestly look at the other person, care deeply about their need and seek what they need first. That's humility. It's not lowering yourself, but it's elevating everybody else. He demonstrates incredible humility when he goes, you you pick first. You pick first. Where do you want to go, Abraham? I don't care. Where do you want to take your flocks? Where do you think it's best? doesn't matter to me. You first lot. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to live? Where do you want to... That's humility. And he gets underneath the real issue... To what's going on like that's the fifth thing you have to get under the surface of what you're fighting about you have to get under the surface about what the conflict is about what's going on what's underneath it what's the current of fear that's running underneath that what's the real issue what's the real problem like, lot new, like, there's just too much space and too much people. It's not about all these fights over these little lines. Like, we're just in this situation. It, it is on this plane, on this mountainside. It is unresolvable. Like, we got to get to what the real issue is. The real issue is not that I hate you. The real issue is that not that I'm sick of you. The real issue is that we just got too much famine, not enough room. So let's make more room. Let's just make more room. And James, James is writing this letter to the church. And in chapter four of James, I'll read this one so I don't mess it up. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? It's a good question to ask yourself. Why have you been fighting so much? Why have you been quarreling? Why are tempers so short? Why is your fuse so short? Why are things going from zero to 100? Why is it you can't even get past morning coffee without having a disagreement with each other? What is really going on? And James goes on and he says, don't they come from your desires? The battle that's going on within you? Like there's something going on underneath. You see, humility says, What's your need? Getting under the surface says, what's this really about? But it also says, what's my part of this mess? It's not just about the fears that are going on underneath them. More importantly, it's about the fears that are going on in my own heart. The issues I'm facing in my own heart. He gets underneath the surface to what's really going on. Man, if you could stop and just have enough clarity to speak to and talk about what's really going on underneath, the intimacy that would come from that vulnerability would be so special and beautiful. You would probably look back on the conflict with great gratitude because of the place that you ended up. And he uses wisdom. Like, wisdom is something that we're also taught in James in chapter 1 to ask God for, that He'll provide it for us. And it's not like a big surprise to say maybe we all could use a little more wisdom in our relationships. He uses wisdom knowing that the solution could not be found on the mountain they were on or the plateau they were on. And so. As much, as difficult as it was for him to maybe say, like, you pick first lot. I'm going to put my choices behind yours. As difficult as it was to step and have the conversation throughout this entire thing, he uses such incredible wisdom to walk through this conflict. To get to wisdom, you have to pause long enough to think it through before you start just talking. You need to give yourself enough space to allow yourself to have clarity about your own emotions, your own anger, your own fear. To to wisdom, you have to hit pause for a second. It's not going to go anywhere. Just hit pause for a second. And you have to seek God and his clarity about what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to go and how you're supposed to handle this hard conversation. And can I just recommend that while you're asking him for wisdom to deal with the conflict in your relationships, also ask him for his will to be done in your relationships. Also ask him what you need to fix first in your own heart before you start worrying about the problems of somebody else. Dealing with conflict is super hard and many of us have experienced the loss of relationships that were once important to us, so valuable to us because of conflict that was never dealt with in a healthy way. And while dealing with conflict in a healthy way does not automatically guarantee that everything is going to work out for you and your relationships, man, it sure does help and it leads to a lot more happiness in your life when you're willing to follow God in the most difficult parts of our relationships. Abe and Lot went their separate ways. And you would think maybe that's the end of their story. Separated over it ended good but they packed up and they had to go their separate ways but it's not long after this that you read in chapter 14 that Lot ended up getting himself in a whole lot of trouble and do you know who rescued Lot and his family? You know who showed up when he needed it the most? It was Abraham there is restoration to be found when we start dealing with conflict the way God wants us to. It's difficult. It takes courage. It's messy. But it is way, way better than just trying to fight it out. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the wisdom that Abraham demonstrated in what could have been a, a volatile situation. We all got conflict, and it's so easy to just power up and get angry and try to win and be right. And, man, we need you to do something in our hearts. We need you to soften them. I pray that if there are people out here in this service or other services that are in the middle of difficult conflict with somebody they care about, That you would give them courage and wisdom and peace. That you would help them to see how to walk forward through this. And that you would be doing a work in their own heart. That you would be speaking to their own fears. That you would be healing their own brokenness by drawing them closer to you. Thank you so much that your word is applicable, not just in one area or another, but in all areas of our lives, and we're so grateful that we can open it up and learn how to be better sons and daughters and moms and dads and husbands and wives and just human beings. So we thank you for the wisdom. Most importantly, we thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus, and it's in his name we pray, amen.